This morning's reading is from the Gospel of John, and there's two readings, one in Philippians, but we'll start with John chapter 13, and it's Jesus washing his disciples' feet, so please join with me. It was just before the festival Passover festival. Jesus knew that the hour had come for him to leave this world and go to the Father. Having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. The evening meal was in progress and the devil had already prompted Judas, the son of Simon Iscariot, to betray Jesus. Jesus knew that the Father had put all things under his power and that he had come from God and was returning to God. So he got up from the meal, took off his outer clothing and wrapped a towel around his waist. After that, he poured water into a basin and began to wash his disciples' feet, drying them with the towel that was wrapped around him. And now I'm going to Philippians. Yeah. Chapter 2, verses 1 to 11. (coughs) Therefore, if you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, if any comfort from his love, if any common sharing in the Spirit... If any tenderness and compassion, then make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and of one mind. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourself. Not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of others. In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Jesus Christ, who being in the very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing, but by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. Therefore God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow, in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord, to the glory of God the Father. Amen. You've got to look after number one. You're the most important person in the world. And basically, you need to do whatever you can to advance your own cause. (laughs) So in other words, trying to get ahead is the way to go. And and, and, and all of the media and the consumer culture kind of says this. Um, But when we see a person in leadership who is pursuing their own self-gain, using the power that they have been given to advance themselves and their own career, we don't like that. (laughs) We don't like that, do we? And he was sort of uh, acknowledging this tension that exists within our own culture. And the teaching that we're looking at this morning will highlight that we can actually trace our culture's understanding of humility and particularly in relation to leadership that we want our leaders to be humble we can trace that back to the life and teaching of Jesus 
Uh, John Dixon, who's an Australian author and speaker who also appeared in the video I spoke of, uh, many years ago wrote a little book called Humilitas. And in the book, he highlights... uh, this Del- a book that was written called the Delphic Canon in BC 600. And basically it was a book about uh, living well. So if in today's age, it would be in the self-help section, it would be there. And it, it was full of these pithy statements about how to live a good life. Uh, there's 147 of these statements. Here's an example of four. Control yourself, help your friends, practice prudence, Act on knowledge. So there's 147 statements like this. And of the 147, humility features nowhere. (laughs) There's no mention of humility at all. Now, contrast that with a book written by Patrick Lencioni in 2016 called The Ideal Team Player. Lencioni is not a Christian. He writes for the corporate world. He writes books that are highly popular with business leaders. And he said there are three key ingredients to being a team player. And interestingly enough, humility is one of them. What a contrast. BC 600, humility doesn't get a mention anywhere. 2016, and the methodology of Jesus has certainly got traction. Humility counts. Humility matters. Now, in Jesus' time, humility was not a virtue that was to be aspired towards. In fact, it was seen as a weakness or a vice Uh, You, in this culture, would never lower yourself to someone who was below you socially. Uh, You would only ever lower yourself to somebody who was above you. But what we see in the life and teaching of Jesus is completely counter-cultural to the time. When Jesus taught his disciples, his followers, about leadership, he began by examining the leaders of his day the Gentiles. And here's what he said about them. You know that the rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them and their high officials exercise authority over them. Now, when we read this passage, we read it through a negative lens, don't we? We tend to think, oh, this is a bit of a negative statement. You know, that, that's not really the, the ideal way to lead. But that's not what Jesus was doing. He was actually making more of an observation. Uh, If the Gentiles who were leaders would have heard this, they would have said, yes, exactly. That is what we do. That is our role in society is to lord it over those who we have responsibility or leadership over. Jesus, however, goes on to say that with his followers, this is not the way to lead. The way of Jesus is a very different way. We now find ourselves, as Anderson and others have highlighted, living in a culture that looks at leadership very differently. And we believe that that can be traced back to Jesus. So what in particular, what was it that Jesus taught? What was it that Jesus did that has made such a shift in our society when it comes to humility in leadership? And there are two texts in particular that are helpful when asking this question, which Susie read to us earlier. The first is the John 13 passage of Jesus washing the disciples' feet, a story that 
we know, many of us know very well. And the second passage is from Philippians 2, and it's, in a sense, the Apostle Paul is examining the leadership style of Christ on the cross uh, and, and calling his believers to adopt the same attitude that Christ had. So let's take a look at these two passages. Uh, the first passage, very well known to us, is the foot washing passage, a very appropriate passage indeed to be speaking about a week out from Easter. Jesus is in the upper room with his closest friends, his 12 disciples. He is gathered with them for the Passover meal. He will soon be handed over um, to be trialed and crucified. He's in the room with his disciples. Now, as again, many of us would, who are familiar with this story would know that in this culture, uh, where men walked around, women as well, of course, but in this instance, we're just talking about the guys in the room. They walked around, the conditions were hot and humid. They walked around in, you know, sandy uh, roads, and they wore very loose type sandals. And when they ate meals, they didn't sit at a table like we normally would, where our feet are actually completely unexposed. In this culture, the feet would, in some cases, be kind of right next to someone else's face because they'd be sitting, they'd be lying down um, or sitting on the ground. And so, to actually share a meal with a group of people whose feet had not been washed would be unbearable. Uh, and so, the common practice was that there would actually be a servant who would wash the feet of those who gather for a meal. And Jesus is in this room with his 12 followers. And it becomes very apparent in the text that there is no such servant in the room to wash the feet of Jesus' followers. Now, just before John goes on to tell us that Jesus braces himself with a towel, kneels and begins to wash the feet of his disciples, he lets us know this in verse 3. Jesus knew that the Father had put all things under his power and that he had come from God and was returning to God. So at this point, Jesus is fully aware of his position, of his power and his authority. All things are within his power. So Jesus, having the complete and full knowledge of who he is, then takes a towel and assumes the posture of a servant. And what is so interesting about this is in this culture, Jesus should in fact be the very last person to be doing what what was considered such a menial task uh, for the lowest of the low. And Jesus humbles himself and washes his disciples' feet. Uh, now, Jesus wasn't just doing this as a one-off. He was, in fact, setting an example for how his uh, disciples would go on themselves to be leaders. And Jesus explains this to them by saying, Do you understand what I have done for you? He asked them. You call me teacher and Lord, and rightly so, for that is what I am. Now that I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you should also wash one another's feet. I have set you an example that you should do as I have done for you. Very truly, I tell you, no servant is greater than his master, nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him. Now that you know these things, you will be blessed if you do them. 
Jesus has just completely changed the game, if you like, for how leadership will look amongst followers of him. And as we see in our world today, it has ripple effects. So the business community now is even embracing the leadership model of Jesus with humility being considered one of the three qualities required to be an effective team player. Isn't it amazing the ripple effect of Jesus' life and ministry and teaching finding its way into the world today, uh, written by a non-Christian author in 2016? This is the leadership of Jesus. What Jesus was doing in this moment in the upper room was, uh, I guess, giving a picture of what Christian leadership should look like. Uh, Interestingly, though, our community at large expects Christian qualities from its leaders, even when they're not Christian. (laughs) And again, we tie that back to the person of Jesus, which is what is making this series so exciting. Because I think for many of us, we're seeing the impact that the life and teaching of Christ has in fact had on so many different practices and areas of, uh, of the way we live and organize ourselves in today's world that many people wouldn't realize have their origin and root in Christian faith. This should give us as believers great confidence in the person of Jesus and the difference that he continues to make to this day. Now, the second picture that we see of Christ uh, humbling himself um, is from Paul's passage in Philippians 2. And in the Philippians 2 passage, which Susie read to us later, and we'll take a quick look at it in a moment, Paul is um, examining Christ on the cross and looking at that. Instead of the foot-washing example, he is now looking at the cross of Christ as the ultimate example of humility. Here is the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, humbling himself to a death on a cross for his followers. Uh, He is therefore placing the needs of others ahead of his his own. Now, the four gospel accounts, of course, talk about the crucifixion, uh, the details of the crucifixion, but in Philippians 2, Paul is examining the outcome of how we should then respond to the cross of Christ in terms of humility and leadership. Let's just look at Philippians 2 again. Philippians 2, uh, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, rather in humility value others above yourselves, not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of the others. In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man. He humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. Therefore God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord, to the glory of God the Father. Um, So as we see there, Paul is drawing on the example of cross on the cry of Christ on the cross as the ultimate example of humility and saying that you know if if this is what Christ is prepared to do then surely so much more for us we are to have the same attitude as Christ Jesus had uh, now it's interesting 
there are other sections in the New Testament where we can see how this teaching is starting to find expression. Uh, and one f- case study, for example, is 1 Corinthians 9, 1 to 23. Now, Paul is writing to the church in Corinth about a range of issues. And an interesting thing in a little bit of background is that in Paul's time, there were lots of teachers who would go around teaching and lecturing. Uh, and these particular people earned their living by the people that they taught, by the people who learned from them, paying their way. Uh, and so it wasn't uncommon for someone like Paul to be going around and, and, and teaching. Now, Paul was teaching the way of Jesus. But of course, there would have been other leaders and teachers who would have taught other ways to live. Uh, and the way that they made a living was by those people uh, financially supporting them to do so. And in this particular passage, Paul is talking about his rights as an apostle and basically saying to the church, as, you know, as your apostle who you're receiving teaching from, in a sense, according to the society that we live in, it is my right, it should be my right, that you should support and pay me. But Paul then goes on to say this, if others have this right of support from you, shouldn't we have it all the more? But we did not use this right. On the contrary, we put up with anything rather than hinder the gospel of Christ. And in verse 19, though I am free and belong to no one, I've made myself a slave to everyone to win as many as possible. Paul is actually choosing to reject the cultural norm of saying, in a sense, you will serve me as I serve you, to say, you know what, I'm just going to serve you. I'm going to serve you and I don't, want to, I don't want to create any barrier to the gospel going forward. And so I'm not going to invite you to pay me. I'm going to work as a tent maker and, and provide my own income so that I can continue to preach the gospel to as many people as possible to win as many souls as possible. And so even here in the Apostle Paul, we see him exhorting the church to adopt the attitude of Christ Jesus. And here we see him leading by example where he's actually doing it himself. Now, as we consider the, the life and ministry and teaching of Jesus in regards to humility and leadership, what we see is the reflections that we've made today are not actually religious reflections. We see it in our society. It's a simple truth in history. Uh, culture has moved significantly from being a place where humility was despised, considered a weakness, a vice, to nowadays where humility is actually an esteemed quality and characteristic we look for in our leaders. And we tie this directly back to the example and the teaching of Jesus. Today is Palm Sunday. It's the day that Jesus entered Jerusalem on a donkey. And uh, there were people there, uh, you know, waving him in with palm branches, shouting, Hosanna, Hosanna in the highest. Now, here is another, I think, beautiful example and illustration of the humility of Christ. The donkey is an animal of peace. It is a family pet. It is an animal in many respects of poverty in contrast to a horse. You see, the Roman rulers and leaders, they rode horses. And the horse is a military animal. The horse speaks of power and authority and military might. The donkey speaks of humility 
and poverty <laughs> and family. What a picture of humility on Palm Sunday. Friends, can I just say what a privilege it is to serve you as your pastor? There have been times, there will continue to be times when I make mistakes and get it wrong. But I want to say that I love you and it is my great privilege to serve you and it is my desire and intent, uh, along with the leadership team here of this church, to do our best to model the way we lead on the way of Jesus, a way that places the needs of others ahead of our own and seeks to raise up the name of Jesus. Thank you for your prayers and your support, and may we as a church community continue to reflect the love and leadership of our Lord and Saviour, Jesus Christ. Please join me in prayer. Heavenly Father, we just thank you for another example, um, another spotlight on an aspect of Jesus' life today regarding humility and leadership and the difference that it is made to the culture and the society in which we live. Jesus, you called all people who believe and follow after you to adopt a posture of humility as you adopted, as you washed your disciples' feet and as you gave up your life on the cross. Uh, as those who have placed their trust in you, we are to lead a life that is marked by service. And that is true greatness in your kingdom. I pray, God, for myself and for every person in this community who has or holds a position of leadership, that we may constantly be on our knees before you and seek to lead uh, your way, uh, not for self-gain or self-promotion in any way, shape or form, but for the, for the promotion and the exaltation of Jesus Christ alone. May we as a community serve one another as we seek to serve you. And may we be a light and an example for you in this community in which you have placed us. We love you, Lord. We thank you for your word and your spirit that continue to mould and shape us more into the likeness and image of our Lord and Saviour, Jesus Christ. And it is in his name that we pray. Amen.